Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. When you begin to look at what Bartimaeus did, his name was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. But his situation, he was blind, had now identified him, and he's known as blind Bartimaeus. How many of you think that your circumstance should never label you? Come on, we live in a world full of labels. Uh, Would you take all of the labels off except the, the label that you're blessed, that you're a child of God? Stop confessing that you're an ex-drug addict. You're an ex-divorcee. You're an ex-alcoholic. You're an ex-whatever, an ex-convict. Come on, someone say, I am extremely blessed. Come on, that's the only ex you've got right there. You're extremely blessed. Uh, You're called by God, but our world puts labels on people. Maybe it's uh, because they do or do not want to be what they are labeling. Maybe it's something positive that they want uh, to do. And so we have a tendency to label it, and by us putting a label to it, somehow there's a vicarious attachment or rejection from it, one of the two. Regardless of what it is, uh, labels oftentimes, of course, can be limitations They can stop people. That's why, mom and dad, you need to be very careful how you speak to your children. Do not label them with dumb. Don't label them with ugly. Come on, tell them they are blessed of God. Tell them they're called of God. Hallelujah. I'll never forget many years ago. This was was, uh, approximately a little over 30 years ago, about 30 years ago. I was watching football one afternoon on Saturday and a club had opened up in Dickinson called Heartbreakers. Uh, How many of you are glad that we're going to shut that place down and get every person who either goes in there or works there saved before we we get out of here in Jesus' name? Many, many of the not only ex-patrons, but actually uh, ex-employees, so to speak, those who used to work there. Uh, there are quite a few people who actually come to this church. Don't raise your hand. They still come to this church today. That's a blessing. <clears throat> I'm watching football one afternoon, and it was a Saturday afternoon. Cindy was doing what Cindy does on Saturday. She's at the mall. She loves to do that. This one particular day, I was doing what dads do. I watched television and uh, was taking care of the girls. And so Catherine and I were sitting on the couch. Uh, and this commercial comes on right in the middle of a football game. <clears throat> when the commercial comes on, it was the commercial, they used to run TV commercials, and it was a TV commercial. And so the, they're, they're advertising that, and there's these provocative moves that are going on and uh, by these uh, women that work there. The, I always just think that was somebody's daughter. I'm sure mom and dad are real proud of that. But be that as it may, uh, my daughter turned to me and she said, Daddy, what are, those, what are those women, what are those girls doing? Well, it just got away with me. It just made me angry because it happened so quick. All of a sudden it's in my living room. And I said, um, well, you know, God loves everybody, Catherine, and, but not everybody knows Jesus yet. So we had just moved here. We had not been here very long, just a couple of years at that time. And I said, That's, that may be why God moved us down here. 
because we want to help every person that we ever meet. And wherever we go, we want to make sure that people know that Jesus loves them and they can be saved and that they can be set free or they can be delivered from anything that they're doing that's not right. So I tried to talk to her in her little five-year-old mind, six-year-old mind or so. Uh, but inside, man, I was fuming that I, I thought, they, they put that in my living room. They're better evangelists than I am. And it really got away with me. Well, the next week, uh, someone said to me, hey, there's this place that opened up there. You're not going to believe that, but there's a big billboard over the top of them right in their parking lot. Matter of fact, it's over the top of that building. I almost didn't let them finish that conversation until I got in my car and drove up there and saw it. And I called that company and we leased that billboard. And a lot of times we put Luke, we started out uh, just putting Luke uh, 418, Jesus heals the brokenhearted over heartbreakers. That billboard has gotten national news. It's been on the national news uh, several times. It's been on local and regional news all over. It's in some of the, one of the museums today. Speaking of the parallel in life that here in Galveston County that we show people, and it's still there today. Now, I'm not mad at anyone. I got over the mad part. Now I'm kind of happy about it. I was happy when the, uh, when the manager gave their life to Jesus and walked the aisle here and said yes. And I was, I was thrilled when the bouncer, I was glad he didn't have a demon, when he, when he came and gave his life to the Lord. And today, oh, I don't know what he's doing currently. They moved to California. But before he moved to California, he left there and started driving a Bluebell ice cream truck. I was thrilled when some of the girls who have danced there and worked there graduated from our Bible school and went into ministry like they are today. Met two of them the other day. Saw two of them the other day for the first time in years. Listen, God is good. Uh, there, are, there are spiritual principles and spiritual laws. Uh, in, in, in Mark 10, let me just say this quickly. When Bartimaeus, when Bartimaeus was blind and in a position where he's going along with society. And that society will, if he just goes along, he may survive in it, but he will never break through it and get what he wants in life if all he does is just obey what society is telling him, listen, not to do. But when Jesus came by and he heard about Jesus, Suddenly he realized there, and God gave him a revelation that this is the son of David because he called him that Jesus, son of David. Uh, there were probably plenty of people crying out, hey, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Rabbi, stop, talk to us, heal my child. But the Bible doesn't say anyone got healed that day because the kingdom of God does operate on principles and laws. Uh, that are all through the Word of God. For instance, one of the ways Jesus said, He said, lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That's a spiritual law. It's not the only one regarding healing, but it's one of them. And there are times when nothing but just being anointed or laying hands on someone in Jesus' name. How many of you glad your hands are powerful? And that anointing that's in you, that's the way God will release it. It doesn't happen every time that way, but it does happen that time that way sometimes. And you and I should cooperate with the spirit realm. 
And the Bible says, they told him to shut up and be quiet. But he cried louder and stronger. You're in one of two crowds today. You're either the crowd that's crying out to Jesus or the one who's crying out to stop you from crying out to Jesus. You're in one of two crowds, that's all. For me in my house, I'm going to stretch toward him every way I can. Glory to God. And so uh, the spiritual law is where the word is and where the spirit of God is, where you reveal the kingdom of God. I don't care if it's over a strip club. Someone's going to say yes to Jesus Christ. You have no idea how many people in the past 30 plus years have said to me, I used to frequent that place. And every time I would, I would see that big billboard that you have up there. When I say me, we, that's what the church does, that we've had, that we have up there, and we intend to keep it up there. Hallelujah. Because I found out it works. Because there's a spiritual law, there's the word, there's the kingdom of light coming into something. Now, that's a very stark and very uh, easy to uh, define parallel between this world and, and the kingdom of God. So it's easy to see that. Hallelujah. So I use that example. Bartimaeus, of course, did something else. He got in the path of the miracle. He got in that path, and then he released a revelation. He said, uh, Jesus, son of David. Now, son of David, of course, is a messianic. It is an Old Testament prophetic name for the Messiah that would come that all of Israel was looking for. They knew that one day Jesus, the son of David, would come. And when, when Bartimaeus called him by that name, it, because out in public, it would have definitely been illegal to attribute that label or that title to someone who is just a, a, a natural person. You, you better not call him that. You could be guilty of getting stoned uh, under the law. Well, he sees a pair of eyes coming down the road because he got a revelation who Jesus is. He is the one that I've heard about in the temple. He is the one I've heard about all of my life that one day would come. And for me, that's him. That's exactly what Bartimaeus did that day. And with all of that crowd going on, he begins to cry out. He operated in a spiritual law. He began to say with his mouth what he knew in his heart about God. And when he did, the Bible says, it stopped Jesus in his tracks. When you and I pray, when we talk, when we fellowship, when we commune, when we think about situations that are less than favorable or even bad, uh, oftentimes in our lives, how do you think about it? How do you talk about it? It's very important that you operate in the kingdom of God. Uh, so regardless of how you have to deal with something, keep it salted and seeded all the time with the word of God. I know that report uh, that you got from your doctor because of some situation in your body is a bad situation. I'll never minimize that. But what does the word of God say about it? Yes, we deal with it on the natural realm, but whether we realize it or not, we also are going to be dealing with it on a spiritual realm. You, you will either release laws of death or you'll release laws of life. The apostle Paul said it like this in the book of Romans chapter eight. He said, for the law of spirit and life, verse two, the law of spirit and life 
in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. Come on, let's read it out loud together. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's two sets of laws right there. There's the law of the spirit of God, which creates Zoe, his life, the God kind of experience. And that comes in the anointed one, in Christ Jesus, And the Bible says, and it makes you free. And that word, make you free, is a beautiful Greek word. I could give it to you, but uh, let me suffice it to say, it just means delivered. It sets you free, unwraps and unwinds. Sets you free, untangles. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It untangles. Those things that are, because there are laws, God set up laws. In in Romans 7, Paul said, there is a law that is working in my members. He said, when I served God, I'm doing uh, what he said, there's a spiritual law. He said, but when I'm against it, when I'm just going with my fallen nature or with my carnal mind, he calls it, he said, there's another law. He said, oh my goodness. He said, wretched man am I, I'm torn between these things. Now he's talking about not just in his hands, he's talking about in his mind. He said, so what will set me free from that? And then he answers his own question. I thank God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. He said, I can get free from the laws of sin and death through Jesus if I will cooperate with the principles or the laws that he set up all over the world, of course, and for all humanity, for all time, there are laws. For instance, there are definitely laws of aerodynamics. Aerodynamics are there. You can't see them naturally, but I can tell you if you cooperate with them, you're going to do something very unique. You're going to defy gravity. Aerodynamics is a, is a stronger law when it's cooperated with than gravity uh, be relative to that uh, whole equation and you'll understand what I'm saying. By the same token, gravity itself is a law. Uh, can I just tell you that flotation and displacement of water, all of that's a law. I don't know why it is that I can... Stand on the side of a boat that weighs 10 tons, that's floating in the water. I don't quite weigh 10 tons, except during December and January normally. Uh, and, and I can step off of that and I can just sink like a rock, just go right straight down. Yet that 10 ton barge right next to me because of the, the laws of flotation and, and those principles enacted. It will overcome it every single time. Isn't this deep theology? Are you listening to this, huh? Can I just tell you there are natural laws that are there and like it or not, you're subject to them. You violate one of them and you'll realize real quick you're subject to that. Uh, By the same token, there are spiritual laws. There are physical laws. There are health laws. Uh, The laws of spirit and, uh, and life In Christ Jesus, the laws of spirit and life. I'm not meddling. I'm just preaching. Just stay with me. I'm going to, I'm going to bring this thing in for a landing here just a second, but you got to get a hold of it. There are physical laws. There are health laws. 
I know Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. But if you continue to violate, if a person continues to violate health laws, Jesus and all the angels are not going to change that situation because then he's dividing his own kingdom against itself. If you are willfully and willingly violating his law, you can pray until you wear the altar out. But I'm going to do your funeral if you continue to do that. Premature. Look at two people and say, he could have waited till tonight to preach that far. (laughs) If you have a sugar issue, don't eat sugar. If you don't have a sugar issue, limit your sugar intake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do y'all care if I tell you the truth? No, it's very important. Those are just simple. Those are just simple things. But you understand that because mom and daddy taught you that supposedly when you were young. And then we allow this war inside of our members to begin to take hold. And we think we're going to override them because we shout and dance and we pray in tongues. You can pray in tongues and still go to heaven way premature. So it's very necessary, of course, that we understand that we are in a uh, a kingdom that operates and we're in a world that operates with laws or principles. I'm not talking about the Mosaic law. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about living the life of God, the laws of spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and uh, small l, life, spirit and life. Uh, how many of you want to live and live as, as well as you can? Can I just use that term? Absolutely. Well, obviously there are principles there. If you say, well, pastor, you know, I have this issue, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I don't have any peace in my mind. Well, let me ask you a question. There is a spiritual law that says he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed upon him. So my question is, what are you thinking about? Listen, uh, there's not an asterisk beside that that says he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed upon him except Rick's. How many of you know God's not mad at you? No, no, no. He'll set you free. But uh, now you can try to medicate that down. You can do all of that kind of stuff. You might have to do what the Bible says. You might have to renew the spirit of your mind. One translation says it vaguely like this, that you might have to retrain the thought reflex of your mind. But you have to do that if you have to do it. And you ask God to help you do it. And the Bible says that peace will become, or will begin to come upon you. God did not give you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Can I have a big hallelujah? That's a real important thing. The word fear right there is the Greek word phobia, P-H-O-B-I-A. Man, don't we have a lot of phobias today? There's a phobia for everything. But the scripture says that when your mind is stayed upon him, anytime those fears which are learned things, you were born, I promise you, with two things. You were born, every person here was born with two things. They came with the human package. One of them is spontaneity and the other is fearlessness. And then you have to train those some way correctly or they will override themselves and try to dominate you. Some people uh, never train that spontaneity. I mean, you take a little child, and I, I, I remember when, when our children were just little bitty infants and they're growing up, no one had to teach them how to nurse. It was just spontaneous. Cry, time to eat. Mess up the diaper, 
Time to change. It was just automatic in this deep theology. It was just there. I could set one of them on the edge of, a, of the table or something when they were just real little, and I could say, jump to daddy, and they wouldn't even hesitate, just zoom. Here they'd go. They're fearless. They don't understand that there are consequences sometimes if things are not done right. Well, as, as people grow up, sometimes those two particular things get distorted or they get out of proportion or they get used wrongly. Uh, and so they have to be, instead of uh, creating fear in someone, you train them to understand the value of fearlessness. So what you should or should not be involved with. I don't have to do a, a lesson on that. I think we all understand it. I wish I'd have known all this great wisdom 35 years ago. Shout hallelujah. Uh, but you train them. Uh, that's why grandchildren are so awesome, you know, because you can tell them all your experience that you didn't know when you were raising their parents. Okay. But it's very necessary to do that because there are laws there. There are natural laws. There are mental laws, emotional laws, definitely spiritual laws that are there. Uh, uh, if you say, well, I'm just not happy. I don't have any joy in my life. The Bible says that there is a garment of praise. There is a joy that creates strength. And the scripture says in Isaiah, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It did not say, pastor, make me feel better. It said, you put on the garment of praise. The garment of praise is a spiritual analogy right there. Imagine yourself just putting on your clothes. You get up and you put on a shirt. Yeah, you put on your socks. You put on your shoes if you, if you wear socks. And you just get up and you get dressed. And you put on the garments that you're going to wear. That's on the body. Can I just say that you need to dress the inner man the same, uh, with the same concept that you dress the outer man. You need to look in the mirror and say, I feel good. I feel fine. Now, body, get in line. I'm going to praise the Lord this morning. And then you begin to rejoice in the Lord. You begin to put on the garment of praise. It's not in a joke. It's not in just a humorous story. All of that may have something nice to do with it. But it is a deliberate decision on your part that you will, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. Well, I'm telling you right now, preacher, I can't, I don't even know if I'm saved before I have my coffee. Well, okay, I'll give you that. But as soon as you get rid of that first pot, how about starting to magnify the Lord? Come on, clap your hands to the Lord if you're getting this today. There are natural, emotional, and spiritual laws that are there. Well, if I've noticed that if my day starts off good, I'm subject to having a good day. But if I get up and, and my day doesn't start off too good, I'm just, it just gets worse. I'll, well, why don't you take control of that day? In all things, the Bible says rejoice in God. Uh, in, in James chapter 1, I wish I had time to do uh, this whole thing, but I'll do it as we keep going through the summer. It's one of the, the laws of living the great life that I'm doing on Wednesday nights. Listen, in James chapter 1, the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. He says, count it all joy. Come on, somebody shout, count it. That just literally means that you're going to take control of that. And I don't care how bad that situation is, that diver temptation, that's an interesting translation in King James. The word uh, all through the Bible just means difficult 
uh, circumstance, bad environment. And it can happen a, a lot of different ways. He, the scripture says you are to count it joy. My experience has been, unless I count it joy and begin to rejoice in God and thank Him for His presence, thank Him for His power, thank Him that He's with me even when I go through the valley. Who knows what I'm talking about here? Unless I make that deliberate decision to count it joy in a difficult time, I found out the devil will count it a victory. So I have to make that choice. I have to make that decision. Uh, decisions are very powerful. God meant it when he said, choose this day who you will serve. Which master are you going to serve? The master of this world or the master of this world? Hallelujah. The Bible says we count it joy. Uh, if in your family, there are spiritual laws that are there toward family. The Bible says, uh, fathers, do not frustrate and anger your children to the point of rebellion. That's in the Bible. It says, don't do that. Talk to them. It says your daughters should grow up not thinking that they're cheap and, and all of those kind of things, but they should be, the Bible says, like fine stones in, in the wall of a palace. They should have a concept about themselves. Look, can you agree with me that Barbie is just a, a plastic doll? Give me two amens. And I know there's some very attractive people and they're just certain na nature laws that are there that make some things a little bit more or less attractive. Uh, in, in that sense of the word, all of that's temporary also, can I just say? Secondly, you live in the 21st century and you can just fix that stuff up if you want to. No, the scripture is real plain. The scripture is real plain about that, that you should bless your child. And the scripture says, admonish and instruct. Admonish and instruct. Admonish and instruct. One literally means to teach to the point of, of reaction. And the other means uh, to correct to the point of, of, of uh, obedience. Those are two different things. I've always said there is a natural and an unnatural rebellion in all people. When little kids are growing up, there's just a desire to get outside of the limits and stretch themselves. You help steer that a certain way. That is a natural uh, defiance to some limitation. Give me two amens right there. That's natural. But now, a, a, a rebellious thing where they're told not to do something for whatever the, for the, the, the right reason, and then they automatically defy you or do it anyway because of it, then that's a total different thing. One of them needs a little correction. The other one needs instruction. Those are laws. And then the child will grow up and have certain limits and boundaries without being limited by limits and boundaries. Their spiritual laws are very powerful in the scripture. Money. A money is very, very spiritual. Oh, hallelujah. Why does it always get quiet when preachers tell the truth? Money is very, very spiritual. Uh, you see it all through the scriptures. It's very important that you use that in a way that it is a blessing uh, always use it in, in what I believe is biblical priority. Uh, take care of the house of God, take care of your house. That's called pay your bills. 
Use wisdom with it. Always tithe and offer first. Then ask God how you use what you have. When our children, uh, of course, they're grown, when they were getting married, and they were in their 20s when they were getting married, uh, in, in their uh, uh, mid to, to late 20s when they were getting married, I sat down with them and with their uh, husbands-to-be, uh, my wonderful son-in-laws, who I like to call sons in love now. Cindy and I never had any boys, and so now I've got two of them, plus I've got uh, three of the little ones running around, little guys also. That's pretty exciting. And so I just talked with them. I said, look, you need to tithe. And they were tithers anyway. I said, but you need to tithe. You need to tithe and offer. Keep a generous spirit about you, but a spirit under control. Take the first 10% and, and give that to God. Put it into the house of God. Then take 10% and you don't have a lot of bills right now. You're getting married. Uh, and so you're just now starting off. Save 10%. Now learn to live on 80%. And as that 80% begins to grow and you begin to expand in life, keep that principle the same. And if you do, it won't take very long at all. And old Jed will be a millionaire. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're just natural and spiritual laws that are there. That doesn't mean you won't experience uh, financial challenges. No, but you just stick with the ways of the Word of God. Be a blessing, serve God with your money, and watch God rebuke the devourer and increase and restoration come every time the enemy tries to steal from you. And every now and then you'll see God double it, triple it, and seven times it'll come back to you. Those opportunities happen. God is a good God. It's not an overnight thing. It is a spiritual law. It starts in Genesis and it continues to go right on. Uh, your mind... Our mind, your mind is very, very powerful. Can I remind you that your mind, imagine if your mind, if it was just like a muscle Can, or, 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 or maybe just a, a, a limb that you have some way or another. Can you imagine if your mind was like your hand? Have you ever been just driving down the road and for no reason, your hand just say, I think I'm going to punch you. And your hand just, bam, just hits you in the jaw. And you're like, stop doing that. I didn't tell you to do that. And then the next thing you know, you're about to turn and all of a sudden, bam, you, 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 you hit you again right now. And you're like, this thing's out of control. No, you would do something real quick. You'd tie that hand down. You'd train that hand. You'd do something. Don't look so spiritual like, not me. Oh yeah, yeah, you'd do that real quick. Can I tell you that your mind... You want that hand to respond to you. Your mind is, your brain, your thinking capacity is just like a limb that you have, only it is extremely, extremely well built by God. But you can tell yourself what to think and you can tell yourself what not to think. I've always said the first thought doesn't count. That's called recognition. But it's how you stay with that thought. And where you take it, don't create tracks uh, of thought that almost become uh, addictive or repetitive in you. No, you make a decision what you're going to think about and what you're not going to think about. Somebody shout hallelujah. And there's a law right there. You can renew the spirit of your mind with the word and the spirit of God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord again right there. 
Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's extremely important. There's, there's this exchange that takes place. There's a thought because of a recognition of some kind or an activator. There's a thought which then has to filter through your spirit where you can stop it or you can adjust it, you can change it, you can reverse it, you can do whatever you want. Uh, you can blame the devil. You can blame every, everything in the world for that when things don't go right. But listen, can I just remind you the devil was defeated? No, I ought to get a lot bigger amen than that. Satan was defeated. He does not have dominion over you. Stop talking about the boogeyman all the time. Ooh, this is good preaching. You have dominion and authority through Christ Jesus and start working on numero uno. Change the way you think, change your life. Change the way you think, change your ministry. Change the way you think, heal your family. Change the way you think, prosper. Very important. Paul writes 13 books in the New Testament. By far the, 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 the greatest volume by any one single author in the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul. Every one of them, all 13 of his books, he's talking some way about how you think, what you think, why you think, to go along with all of the other spiritual things. Quit blaming God for, for dumb. Mildred, we should have went on vacation this week. He's talking about stuff that makes me uncomfortable. She's like, listen to him. Very important. Change the way you think. Don't allow thoughts that are not kingdom thoughts or that are contrary to the laws of spirit and life. Don't allow those to dominate your head. Listen, people aren't stupid. People are smart. And there, there is cause and effect to many, many things on this planet. And sometimes our actions actually highlight and outline what's going on on the inside. And we can think we are actually putting on a front when we're actually exposing something. My God, that's good. How about if we fill ourselves with the joy of the Lord? How about with the principles of the kingdom of God? How about the goodness of God? How about salvation? How about faith and expectation? You have to adjust yourself. I learned years ago I had to adjust myself. I still uh, am in a, in a lifelong learning process. I grew up in East Texas with, with, five, with four brothers, five of us, and two younger sisters. Seven kids, redheaded, blue-eyed. I was weaned on a pine cone. Grew up in, 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 in a little town with about five or 6,000 people in it. And I was about as country as country can get, proud of it. Woohoo! thank you very much. And still that way today. But now listen, I found out you have to adjust yourself. I said, you've got to adjust yourself. Uh, there's a whole lot of difference in the way that, that I just go to the house and I'm tired and I just kick back. And, and uh, sometimes I eat uh, in the living room in there because there's a certain news channel that I like to watch. And so I'll sit in there and if Cindy's okay with it, I'll just sit there uh, on the couch and then we've got this uh, table right there next to it. And, and if she's made something or if we've got something, we'll just sit there and we'll just eat. And we'll just sit there and die. Sometimes, listen, I know this is very undignified. I put my feet up on 
on that table just like I just kicked back. And just eat that fried chicken. Let the Lord be praised. Oh, yeah, I do. I slouch down. I kick back. I'm a, in this twilight zone of sleep and awake. And I'm working on mashed potatoes. Or else they're working on me, one of the two. Cindy, she's always got this proper thing about her. She's been that way as long as I've known. But she's okay. She allows me to do that. And I kind of grew up at a house with, with a bunch of kids. And we were pretty casual all the time. And if you're not careful, you'll develop this mindset that says, well, that's just the way I am, like it or not. Anybody doesn't like that, well, it ain't just, you know, you know, everybody's heard that stuff. But, you know, you've got to adapt. You have to adjust. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, personally, I remember the first time I went into uh, a country club out on a golf course. It was a private, a private club that I went to. When I was growing up, our family didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. Dad was a hard worker and as well as a pastor. And so we were doing pretty good. You know, and, and every time one of us would graduate and leave home, uh, there was more food for the rest of us. And it's amazing how every one of us got a little, the boys got a little bit bigger. I'm not going to put that on the girls. Got a little bit bigger every time one of them would leave home, we would do that. I'll never forget the first time I went. I didn't even know how to, how to act. So I, I decided, I, I think I'm just going to be quiet, which that was a big challenge for me anyway. I thought, well, I'm just going to be quiet because I'm in there and everyone in there could have bought and sold me. But I'm, I'm looking at all of that. I'm thinking, which one of these forks do I use first anyway? Oh, my goodness. How many of you know that they would have probably walked me out quick if I'd have said, man, I like this place. Cindy, let me push this chair back and stick my feet up right here. Man, I'm going to really enjoy this food. You know, they would have drugged me out of there and I would have lost that experience because I was not willing to adjust myself and to learn some protocol. How many of you know the kingdom of God's made up of protocol? So I began to adjust instead of just walk over there, you know, and, and look at that shrimp that was all on that ice and everything. Cindy, come here, honey. They got shrimp laying all over this thing. <laughs> it's one of the first places I ever went to that you didn't have to pay in advance. Well, at least, Cindy, uh, you don't have to pay till you leave. You eat all you want. Don't pay till you leave. Can you believe that? Man, around our house, we'd be running out the door. No, you have to adjust yourself. You realize that things are a lot different in the natural. And then you ask God to give you uh, some awareness and some understanding of it, and you begin to adjust up. I wonder how many times I've heard someone say, well, if anybody don't like me the way I am, that's just the way it is. <laughs> well, you can just be sure that's the way it is, too. So don't get mad when you get fired. Don't get mad when no one wants to hang out with you. And don't get mad when your wife says your breath stinks because you don't brush your teeth. I'm talking to someone real good. There are just natural laws there. And there are social laws. There are relational laws. Those things are very, very necessary. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
And as we allow our lives to change, we don't forget who we are, but we adjust ourselves up. Look at two people and say, are you taking notes on that part? Make sure they do that. There are, there are natural, come help me up here. There are natural and there are spiritual laws that have always been there. They will always be there. The Bible says that wisdom, come on, somebody shout wisdom, is the principal thing. There is a spiritual law. The Bible says that through wisdom, a house is built. He's talking about a family, a home, a life. Through wisdom, a house is built. It doesn't say through praying in tongues. Thank God for tongues. It doesn't say through tithing and offering. Thank God for tithing and offering. It says through wisdom. Through wisdom. A house. Let me, let me give you a simple definition for wisdom. I'm not the first one to use this definition, I'm sure. But I think it's very real. Wisdom is the ability to discern and understand the application of knowledge or insight. You can have knowledge of something, but not know how to apply it correctly. And wisdom is the ability to discern difference. For instance, there could be two people come up to you. One of them, wisdom might tell you to help that person. The other one, wisdom would tell you, get away from that person. Can I get a better amen? amen. Wisdom is the ability to discern and know the difference. And how to rightly uh, divide that knowledge and to apply it. That's what wisdom is. Your child comes to you and they've got a, a problem that to them is very, very real. And to you, it's just boilerplate life, you know. But they're coming and they want to talk to you. And so they have come and stepped their game up a little bit to talk to their parent, their adult, about something that's very private and very real or at least very important to them. You cannot, with wisdom, minimize that when you talk to them. You have to, oh, that ain't nothing. I can't believe that. That's dumb. You should know the answer to that. Well, why should they know it? No, no, no. Wisdom is, well, let me talk to you about it a minute. Come here, sit down. Let me talk to you. Because you don't have any idea how that one simple conversation is going to set on course a communication track, or a system of choices that they will make even later in life. And so if it's serious to them, let it be serious to you. Come on, somebody shout wisdom. It's very important. When we do that, you'll find as we begin to apply the laws of spirit and life in Christ Jesus, that all of a sudden the laws or the automatic reactors of sin and death of this world begin to get further and further away from us. And instead of walking with curse, we begin to experience the blessing. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord if you're getting this today. It's so necessary to communicate husbands and wives. And I'll close with this right here today. Husbands and wives, don't ever put your wife down. Guys, don't ever put her down. I'm talking about verbally, don't put her down. Don't ever think that she's less than you because you're physically stronger. In, prob in all probability, she's smarter in a lot of areas. And so it's very necessary. But secondly, the Bible says to honor her as the finer vessel. King James says the weaker vessel. Uh, the word literally means fine. 
Uh, it's an interesting, I like this analogy, so I coined it many years ago and I'll use it again right now. There's a big difference in China, fine China, versus just a piece of plastic like Tupperware or something. Both of them have the same capacity. Uh, both of them will hold one cup a piece of, of, of hot tea or something, water, whatever you want to put in there, coffee. But one of them is a weaker vessel. One of them is a finer vessel. And so one of them, you can just put it in the dishwasher. You can just wash it any way you want, put it out there. The kids come over, you can let them have it and play with it and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, they'll throw it against the wall. They'll do whatever. And that thing will just hit it and just keep on going. And you use it again. You take that piece of china, which has the same capacity, and you treat it like that piece of Tupperware, like plastic, and you'll crack it, you'll fracture it, you'll break it, because God made a man and a woman different emotionally. I don't care what, you know, whatever tries to say. In our world today, there is a difference in a man and a woman. Nature teaches you there is a difference in a man and a woman. So it's extremely important that we see the laws, the, just the natural laws, the spiritual, the relational laws between a husband and a wife. And the Bible says that if they'll set their self in agreement when they pray, their prayers won't be hindered. That's how Peter said it. It's very important to hear this. Uh, the scripture says that when we get in agreement and we pray, no one can agree with you more than your own spouse if you'll have that relationship and get in agreement and make that decision, those are spiritual laws. You'll have a lot of joy in the house. Uh, this is just a little natural thing, just a little communication thing. But, but when you talk to one another, men and women especially, when you talk to one another, look at each other. There's something that happens when you look at your spouse in the eyes. They want to talk. You talk. You want to talk. Look at one another and talk. Wow, deep, deep theology. It's amazing what the connection does when you talk to your children. Don't just yell and scream at them. No, no, no. There comes a time when you sit them there and you talk to them like a little young adult. The Bible says that you have great favor on your life when you operate in the principles, the laws of the Word of God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord today if you've got this. It's so important to see how God will promote you. The scripture says that you are to prefer, oh, this is, I'll say this and I'm done. I didn't mean to go over quite that far direction, but just listen to it a second. The Bible says that when a man prefers his wife and treats her like the finer vessel, not in a condescending manner, but in a, in a valuable manner, in a valuable manner, the scripture says, that you have favor in life, your prayers aren't hindered. That's a powerful, powerful thing. If that's all there was to it, that would be enough. But God says that that blessing, sir, comes back on you. Proverbs says that a godly wife in a marriage causes a man to have favor in life when he's out in the streets. You have favor on your life. I used to think I'm all that in a bag of chips and golf shoes. And then I read that scripture in the Bible. And I'm like, what? 
It's because of her I'm blessed when I'm out there. As long as I'm not cursing her. But I just want to be the, the very best. I mean, it's a lifelong learning experience and an adjustment all the time. But it's necessary. All the women shouted hallelujah. That was the weakest shout I've ever heard on that subject. You're like, I'm afraid to say it like I'm really thinking. Tell him, pastor, tell him. No, it's so necessary to let the laws of spirit and life in Christ Jesus override, separate, and deliver us from the laws of sin and death. One more time, clap your hands to God right there. We know that praise stops Jesus in his tracks. Faith releases the kingdom of God in manifestation, brings it into manifestation. Laws, spiritual laws, principles. The Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And when we confess with our mouth Jesus as our Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.